Welcome to the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. Now sit back, relax, and rewind your mind. Reminisce with friends you didn't even know you had. And if you weren't there, then this is news to you. is up i am mikey i'm Corey, and we are here with the retro renegades pop culture power hour hey, you got it right this time i got it just perfect i i think i mean i kind of stumbled on a little bit but we'll fix that in post uh, <laughs> no we won't we probably won't <laughs> so we were having trouble thinking of what we want to do this episode about and so we decided we'd write some ideas down and just kind of throw some ideas back and forth, and we will kind of decide with you, as you know, the listener, what we're going to do for this show. So, I mean, I I had asked, you know, like maybe we should do like soft drinks, and I thought, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we could do like New Coke, we could do like Crystal Pepsi, and Corey just kept saying Tab, Tab, Tab. Yeah, he just he likes Tab. It tastes like fucking medicine, dude. I like Tang. What do you tang? What do you tang? <laughs> I like tang too. That, the astronauts took that up in, in space with them. They did, and you know what? I don't know if they actually drank it or not, but that's yeah. You know, and you know, how would you mix that up in space? You're trying to dump water and powdered orange-ish flavored stuff. There'd be like a glob of tang floating yeah, around. Yeah, and then you got like the mix of partially mixed powder just floating around and getting into <laughs> the electronics. That'd be great. You know, and maybe. Maybe that's how the Apollo, you know, missions failed. It is possible. That's why the aliens won't talk to us. Because we brought Tang into space. Because we brought Tang into space. We contaminated space with our Tang. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's Tang. Yeah, maybe that's not a good idea to talk about. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I had a good one. Uh, talk about maybe, like, the Food Fighters toys. What in the hell are you talking about? They're basically hamburgers and pizza that look like army figures. What? Dude, they were awesome. Did they give you gas? They probably could have if you ate them. I think full of shit. No, they're a real thing. You gotta look them up. Yeah. Okay, we'll Google that. Yeah. I I had this other idea. And I I had said, you know, maybe we could talk about like our our favorite, you know, retro birthmarks. You know, like our favorite birthmarks from the eighties. At top of my list was uh was that little mole that Cindy Crawford had on our face and Corey just kept saying Gorbachev's splotch on his head that was his favorite but that was fake though it was fake yeah well that was on the naked gun he wiped it off he knew it was fake yeah yeah so <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea to talk about and I mean I, I don't know we're just speaking of Russians Did you know the Russians put a tank on the moon oh bullshit the Russians put a tank on the moon <laughs> <laughs> Bad. The Russians put a tank on the moon. It's not made of cheese. The moon sucks. The moon does suck. But dude, I don't know what we're going to do for this episode. Yeah, I don't either, man. I, it's, I'm drawing a blank. Huh. Yeah, I got an idea what we can do. What? Live from New York, it's Saturday night. NBC Saturday Night. Starring the novelist for primetime players, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chevy Chase, James Curtin, Garrett Morris, Lorraine Newman, Gilda Radner. With Howard Shore and his all-nurse band, 
and special guest, Peter Boyle, Buck Henry, Richard Pryor, Paul Simon, and ladies and gentlemen, Lily Tomlin. All right, so there's a good idea. We can do Saturday Night Live. That oh, was yeah, big, dude. A huge part of our... The, the cool thing about it is, it's been a part of pop culture for... 45 years. Well, yeah, well, yeah, 45 years. It was already a part of pop culture when we were born and growing up. Yeah. So we grew up with it around, so the past stuff was pop culture already, mm-hmm. and then it just kept... Getting better. Growing. Yeah. Well, getting better and then... Getting worse. Getting worse and then getting worse. And then it got a little better. And yeah, it got a little better and... Now it's just okay. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's a lot calmer. Oh yeah, than it used to be. Definitely. Because I mean, dude, I watched the first episode ever, and the first host was George Carlin. Oh wow! And he comes out and he starts making fun of fucking football and baseball, and he started he's making you know making fun of how we stole football from the British and how it's not even our actually our sport and. You know, he's talking about just saying, screw it, let's go get high. And, I mean, everything was about, I mean, dude, everything was about getting high. Well, and doing I, some sort of drug. They, they, that's what they were doing. I mean, they, yeah. they, did, they did a lot of drugs on, on SNL. There so, were, especially Chevy Chase. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was high as hell. Yeah, he was. that was when he was the funniest. Yeah. That was when he was high. Well, and the, the, the very first, you know, few years that they were out, I think were probably the best years they ever had. I agree. Might be yeah. the first ten years. Yeah, and then it kind of started going downhill, and then it kind of came back up some. Back in the early nineties. Yeah, in the late eighties, early nineties, I think that they they kind of came back up. But let's focus on just like the early days and the things that we grew up as a, as little kids with, because it's probably not stuff that we should have been watching as little. Oh, kids. dude, I guarantee it. We shouldn't. Our, if our parents were watching us better, right? right? <laughs> well, because I know it was on while we were. I'm supposed to be in at, bed at home, you know, and we all had TVs in our rooms. Yeah, I didn't, but I was watching it Dude, on the damn TV out in the living room. You know, I was, I was watching there. Baywatch on my little 13 inch TV in my bedroom when I was supposed to be sleeping. Ah, so yeah, Baywatch, Baywatch. Mm. Okay, well, yeah. back to <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, we have a, uh, a cast here of, of folks that. Just hearing the, the the cast and all that, just why, why don't we just run down what the cast was? The, the original cast was Lorraine Newman, John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Gilda Radner, Dan Aykroyd, Garrett Morris, and Chevy Chase. That was the original original cast for the first couple seasons, maybe. And they called them the Not Ready for Primetime Players. Yes. And that's why it was on at, late at night. Right, and it was, uh, I mean, there was some really racy things that they did, and really, you know, kind of uh, a body, if you will. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they really pushed the envelope, and I think when I look at, like, the all-star cast, you know, those folks are, are definitely in there. I also put in uh, Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray. Which are two of my favorite actors yeah of all time dude I, I could watch a bill murray movie doesn't matter what it is or an eddie murphy movie and quote it oh yeah word and, for word and like today dude my wife will not watch harlem nights <laughs> 
or coming to America with me. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Randy Watson. That boy's good. That boy's good. Yeah, good, good, good and terrible. <laughs> such a lovely audience. Give yourself a round of applause. Did, did you know that Eddie Murphy was only 19 years old when he started? Yeah. 19 years old, and he was funnier than shit. Oh, yeah. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So, you watched the first few episodes. I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch them. Uh, they are on, they're on Hulu. Yep, they're on Hulu. You can watch, I think it's seasons one through five. Yeah. And then it jumps. Yeah, and then it jumps to like season 35. They they miss like 20 years. Yeah. Know, or so. Or and they, dude, they missed a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, a ton. And that'll be a, probably on a different show because there was a, another resurgence of, of great Saturday Night Live when we were probably in junior high or high school. Yeah, just getting into junior high or yeah. high school. I mean, you so, had those guys, which... Adam Sandler. Well, even before that, when they had uh, uh, Mike Myers and oh yeah, the Wayne's World uh, crew, yeah. the Wayne's World, yeah, Dana Carvey, those guys. So that I think that have to be a different episode because there's so much to cover here. It's going to be hard to kind of rein this in. Yeah, we'll have to. This will definitely be probably a few episodes or incarnations of oh going through the, the yeah. SNL. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, should we just kind of go? piece by piece and talk about these cast members maybe yeah okay uh well let's just start dan Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd, in my opinion he's a comic genius i don't know if he actually got a start on saturday night live i think that he was in another group because he's canadian i believe isn't he yeah so i think he was in he was in one of those canadian the, with uh, uh, moranis and yeah like a national lampoons or a second city or something like yeah that. he was in one of those i don't remember which I could probably, I mean, we could probably find that out somewhere. If there's only a network of information that we could just access and, you know. Lugal. What? Lugal. What the hell is a Lugal? Lugal. I don't know what that means. You know, it's the ex-singer of Motley Crue. Lou. Lugal? Motley Lou. Oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're in your hot tub time machine again. Yeah. Well, we are going back in time. Okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, I, I, I looked it up on that, that interweb thing. Uh, he was a part of Second City, and what Second City is, it was kind of a improv group that was in Chicago, and then they would, I mean, they would kind of travel around a little bit, they would do their shows, but so it was basically like a Saturday Night Live on the road. Oh, cool. And a lot of people that were on SNL went through Second City, um including some other folks we're going to be talking about here, and other great comedy actors, like Eugene Levy, the dad off of American Pie. Oh, yeah, He was yeah. the Second City guy. John Candy was. Uh, Steve Carell. John Belushi was. Yeah, Belushi was in there. I mean, a, a lot, just, it's it's kind of a who's who of, of comedy, yeah, uh, including a lot of the whose line is it anyways guys. Were yeah, there, I mean, it's uh, it's like a, it's it's like the stepping, it's like, almost like kindergarten for Saturday Night Live actors. Right, so... So Ackroyd was was a second city player, and then he he joined up with uh, SNL, and he was already very good friends with with Belushi. We'll talk about Belushi here in a, in a minute. But uh, Ackroyd was initially hired as a writer on Saturday Night Live. He was paid two hundred and seventy eight dollars a week to write their sketches for them, which isn't shit. Well, this I is mean, back in the seven back in seventy what seventy five. Even I mean, well, because I get I you know I can see that you know just small actors starting out. Yeah. Back in '75, you could buy a car for that. That's right. You know, you buy, you buy a car for it's like five grand a week now. Yeah. So I mean, he was doing pretty good actually, I think. But I guess quickly they 
they thought that he was such a good, you know, had good comedy timing and good comedy chops. They bumped him up and they put him on the yeah the show, which is I think a better idea. He's better on screen than he is behind. Oh, I would say so. I, I've never seen him behind the screen, but well, it's because he's yeah. behind the screen. You can't see him. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you always make such sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I try. I try to keep us level-headed here. Yeah, it's good. Somebody has to. Speaking of level-headed, um, one of his characters was not level-headed. He was Beldar, the Conehead. You know what? Huh. They come from France. They do not come. From they come from France. You even ask. You ask Beldar. We come from France. You know that's <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're French. They, they are French. They might be French Canadian. I don't know. But... Well, he yeah, he was Canadian. They, they, I bet they are French Canadian. They're French by way of Canada. Who his uh, who else played? There was um, Jane, Jane Curtin was his wife. Yeah, she was his, his wife. She was primat, and then um, I believe uh, Lorraine Newman. Played, yeah, she played the daughter. She played Connie, the daughter. Um, also, Garrett Morris was uh, Murkon, the leader of the Coneheads. Oh, nice. So, he was Beldor the Conehead. With Steve Martin, he was two wild and crazy guys. One of my favorite <laughs> skits yes. ever. They, they showed up in their, I don't know what you call them, uh, like leisure suits. Leisure suits. They yes. had the chains and their hair sticking out, dude. Yeah. And... That was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life, dude. I mean, even to this day, if you put those two together now, dude, I think it would just blow up. Oh, I think I think they'd be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't make comedians like that anymore. No. And um, I wish they did. I mean, there a couple of guys are close to it, but I mean, you can't touch these guys from the late seventies, early eighties. No. I. Uh, I I cannot think of many comedians that that would even come close. They said Dan Aykroyd was the most difficult person to try to even impersonate on the show because really? nobody could do what he was doing. He did a skit called the Super Bassomatic. It was like a blender. That it was like an infomercial. Yeah, you know, they did the fake commercials. They did yeah, they did a few of those the first season. So it was Super Bassomatic. It's a blender that could liquefy a fish. In like a minute. <laughs> and he pitched it to him, and they're like, we don't know if that's going to work, dude. It's not funny. And he's like, I'll make it funny. G- give me the time. I'll make it funny. And they took a chance on it, and they sent him out there with a uh, fish and a blender, and he pulled it off. And they said people were just, they said the writing crew, the the acting, you know, the the, the other actors, they were just standing there with their mouths wide open, just like, how he's got a fish and a blender, and he's trying to sell this fish and a blender thing, and it's working. And they said nobody else could have done that. Nobody else could, you know, ever come close to doing oh, some, no, of the, some of the shit that he, he did. He did one. It was I don't know if he wrote it or not, but I watched it. it. Was on the first episode. It was called New Dad. Dan Aykroyd stands there. He's talking to his family, gives him a hug, and then all of a sudden he disappears. <laughs> and then it goes to the infomercial, and it's like New Dad. If your husband is gone or your father left or just died all of a sudden, we have new dad to replace him right away, instantly. Oh, Jesus. And another guy comes in, they're like, honey, I'm home. I'm like, dad, honey, how are you doing? They, like, nothing changed. They didn't even skip a beat, man. It was it was great. <laughs> did Have you ever seen, or did you see the uh, Fred Garvin male prostitute? Yes. that That's one of his best skits, I think. Um, they're just hilarious, kind of a uh, straight-laced guy. There's a, I am Fred Garvin. 
male prostitutes. <laughs> and then two things that I think that he was probably, I mean, aside from the Coneheads, the Coneheads was, was a pretty popular skit. The two wild and crazy guys, pretty popular skit. Blues Brothers. The Blues, Blues Brothers with John Belushi. That was never a skit. No, they were a band. They were an actual band. What the Blues Brothers was, um, now, did you see anything about the Blues Brothers? I had their history. I have read up on their stuff in the past, but I have not got caught to that point on the mm-hmm. SNL. Well, what what they did, Belushi and, and Dan Aykroyd would kind of hang out at this, this club and they would get up and jam with, with the guys and stuff and sing or do whatever. And it, it kind of worked out, so they put like an all-star band together. And, and that was their actual band. That was the same band, band that they had in the movie yes. was their actual band. That was their band. Yeah. And it was primarily made up of members of uh, Booker T and the MGs. Yeah. They, they had that song, Green Onion. Yep. Yeah, I love that song. Doom, doom, doom. Okay, I love everything they've done. So, it's one of my... Uh, jumping off the same topic, but the Blues Brothers is mine and my dad's, one of our... My dad, probably, if just for the two of us, our favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. It's and a great between, movie. Between that and going back to a, another, I don't believe he was much on Saturday Night Live, but um, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of my, probably my, in my top three. Yeah. Between those two. So, so those two are right next to each other, neck and neck in the top three movies. I couldn't tell you what the top one is off the top of my head right now. Because but, it changes. Yes. <laughs> but well, what the Blues Brothers actually started out being. They were just jamming, that kind of like, hey, this kind of fun. They they were the opening act, if you will, for Saturday Night Live. Oh no shit! When the the audience would come in and be ready to see this show, you know, this this amazing comedy, you know, revolutionary show, the Blues Brothers would come out and warm the audience up and kind of get them in the mood to have get fun, get them pumped, get them pumped up. It went so well that eventually, later on in the seasons. The Blues Brothers became musical guests, so they would come out, and it was, of course, yeah. I mean, everybody knew it was Belushi and yeah, Dan Aykroyd, but they would come out and they would be in their Blues Brothers gimmicks, and they would you Jake know, and Elwood, Jake and Elwood, and they would they would you know entertain the crowd. They would they would uh, do their their musical thing, and then split, and then they would go back, take the shit off, and they might be in the next skit. Yeah, you know? but yeah, that just speaking on his on his. His SNL tenure, I think Ackroyd was, you know, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I don't think the show would have been the same if he wasn't on it. No, no, I don't think so. Now, I don't think he, he only lasted a few years, but yeah. all these guys only lasted a few years. Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, once they hit that big stardom. They took off. Yeah. So, SNL, and we'll get into this later, maybe in the second half. Of how SNL was kind of a stepping stone for a lot of other stuff. There's also a dark history about SNL, too. Oh, there is. We'll get into that. Because I, I have some information on that. And I, I know that you you uh, did more research than I did on this. So Let's talk about uh, John Belushi for just a minute. Of course, we already mentioned the Blues Brothers. Yep. Uh, that was probably his biggest thing he did. That and Animal House. Well, that yeah, that the movie Animal House was his, his hugest... I mean, that was... I think his biggest uh, movie that he did. Didn't have very many lines. No. But the lines he had. Boy, his character was amazing. Yes. Yeah. What was his name? Bluto. Bluto. On SNL, he portrayed Captain Kirk. That's right. 
He did. And he was just a pissy, fat Captain Kirk. And, and then he, he also did, um, what was his name? Um, not Paul Simon. He was Joe Cocker. He was Joe Cocker. And, yeah, dude, he did it, played it to a fucking T. Yes. The same movements. And, I mean, the way he sung it. Because he uh, actually sang the song. Yeah. And they, they pre- presented him as Joe Cocker. Uh-huh. And, and, dude, it was great. At one point, uh, Joe Cocker, Joe actually, Cocker came actually came out and sang with him. Yeah. I always thought, and and it, it may still be true, but I always thought that Joe Cocker had an ailment uh, that caused him to have all those spastic movements. Yeah, it was called acid. Well, no, I, th- I thought that he, he actually had a medical condition, and it, it was just that's how he got into his singing. And so I was always like, God, these guys are all making fun of him. I don't think that he had an ailment. I think he was just getting down with the tunes. Oh, yeah, dude. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, at Woodstock, it was acid. Well, he had the brown acid, I'm he had, sure. He had the bad brown acid. Yeah, the bad brown acid. Bad red licorice. <laughs> <laughs> John Belushi also did the samurai character. Yes. Yeah, the, the hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. The hamburger, hamburger. He was... Yeah. We got hamburger, hamburger. Let me get a cheeseburger. No, no cheeseburger. Hamburger. Hamburger. Let me get a Coke. No Coke. No Pepsi. Pepsi. But the the samurai character was, was hilarious, where he would take the sword out and chop shit chop, up. He'd chop everything up. Chop everything around him up. Yeah. I don't know how he didn't break character and start laughing. Because I know a lot of the other guys did. Yeah. Especially when he was doing his his skit. Yeah. They Everybody on, on set would be dying yeah. laughing. And he would just be stone-faced. Yep. Doing his shit. I... It's it's very hard to to keep a straight face when something like that's going on, anyways. And then when you're live in front of an audience, it's I mean it's, it's nerve wracking. That guy, he was another one of those just comedic genius. And it's it's a shame that we lost him so early because he was supposed to be Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters. In Ghostbusters, yeah. The, line, the, the whole thing was written for him, and mm-hmm. then he died right before they started filming. Yeah, he died uh, March 5th of 82, I yeah, have here. Yeah, th- he was 33. He was 33? Yep. I thought he was 27. 33. Huh, I thought he was part of the 27 club. No, nah, he was born in 49. Oh. So that'd make him... 33. 33? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he died of an OD of, of speedball, which was cocaine and heroin. The uh, person that shot him up with that was actually uh, uh, convicted of manslaughter. Really? Yeah. They still in prison because they should be. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't have that information, but uh, I, I mean, I could probably find it on that that network of the interwebs. Yeah, but we could also just talk about Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. So I love Chevy Chase. I love it. It sounds I like nobody loved, else on Saturday Night Live really loved. Chevy oh no! Chase. I think they all. I think. I think they. It was once he, once he left the show and got his you know, his big break on all the National Lampoon movies, mm-hmm. and then he came back. Everybody hated him. Yeah, because he thought he was better than everybody else. Well, and he was. And I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of other people. He's very yeah. hard to work with. Yeah, but as a comic, I think he's great. At least he used to be. Now that. And I've said this before, and a lot of other actors, when they were doing drugs, they were funny as shit. Mm-hmm. Chevy Chase, when he was doing drugs, one of the best comedians out there. So he you're was saying like, that people should do drugs to be funny? 
Chevy Chase, yes. Man, and been successful. People should do drugs to be successful. Just Chevy Chase. Just Chevy Chase. Just Chevy Chase. So you should do Chevy Chase to be successful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to get a letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, or it might be a thank you letter. It depends yeah. on who's doing Chevy Chase. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you look at Chevy Chase then and you watch, like, Vegas Vacation. Vegas Vacation is my favorite vacation movie. I thought it was terrible. Oh, see, I love it. It's my favorite. We might have to do a vacation episode. Yeah. Because it, we're going to have differing opinions. I think, your, I think European Vacation is the best. Yeah, I'm not that big of a fan of that one. But, well, we'll have to do yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Chevy yeah. Chase, I mean, because no, he, I mean, even, did, he have, even had his talk show. Which was horrible. Yes. Because he was stone sober. Yeah. And then if you look at him now, and a lot of the new stuff he's on now... He's trying to be Chevy Chase from 77. He's too old. And he can't do it anymore. Part, well, part of it is, I think he's too old because one of his biggest skits that he did was Fallen. Yeah. Yeah, he did that Pratt fall. It was, I mean, somebody falling down is fucking funny. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, he'd trip over, he'd trip over everything. He'd trip, he'd over, trip his feet. over his own feet. He'd trip over a table, break the table, fall into shit. It was funny. But in one of his best characters he ever did, besides uh, Clark Griswold... Was it um, Ty Webb from uh, Caddyshack? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. One know of his name. best characters. Yeah, yeah. Caddyshack's a great movie. Na 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 na. Ba 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 ba. Be the ball. Be the ball. So, Chevy Chase had a couple of of things that that he kind of started out, or he he originated. He did every uh, opening, every cold opening, except every... for two. There were two in the in the uh, first season that he did not do. But he's the one that said, live from New York, it's Saturday night. I believe, was he also, yeah, he uh, he originated the idea for Weekend Update. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because he was the original he Weekend was, Update um, news anchor. He was. And they were, dude, and those were great. Yeah, he, he and he wrote most of that stuff you know, himself. So it was him. And the next person we're going to talk about here, which is Jane Curtin. Jane Curtin was amazing. Jane, you ignorant slut. Yes. <laughs> that was kind of uh, Chevy Chase's line. Every Almost every episode that I can remember, he would, at some point while she was on some kind of rant of nonsensical information, he would just kind of look at her during the weekend update and say, Jane, you ignorant slut. She was a very... She, I think she's a very underrated part of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I agree. Because... She didn't have a lot of funny parts. No, they they made her. I guess I would I'd say just comic support. Yeah, she was the the what they would call the foil. Yeah, she was the one that the joke was on, or she was the um, in a comedy duo they would call her the the straight man or the straight person. Yeah, she she was very straight laced, just kind of a you know. She would set them up for the joke, and then they they would often, the joke would be on her uh, in some way. So it's it's hard to find someone that is, a, is good to play off of like that. Mm-hmm. Because, first off, they're not in the spotlight. No, and she was, she was and, only secondhand to somebody else. Yeah, and it's hard to find somebody that will accept that role, but it's a very vital role to any any comedy setup, you know, and this is coming from, I mean, I've done some comedy acting, uh, and I've been on both sides of it. It, it's hard to, 
you know, to find somebody that's comfortable in that role. I think one one part of it was, she, I don't, I think that she was the one. She wasn't a fan of all the drugs and stuff, so no. she kind of kept to herself uh, a lot. Um, and that may be false. I mean, maybe she was a big doper. I I, I know who I'm thinking of now. But uh, yeah, just just that underratedness of being the the comedic foil, I think, puts her as one of the top players in this cast. Yeah, I agree. So then we had uh, Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner's amazing. She was hilarious. I mean, she she's another one who died too early. Yes, she was married to uh, Gene Wilder. She was married to Gene Wilder. Do you know who she dated before that? No. Bill motherfucking Murray. Really? And they had such an ugly breakup that they don't even speak of it. Wow. Yeah, they, they never gave details. They just, they had an ugly breakup. Uh, I think that they might have been in that second city I think they. Group. I think she was. And I think that's how they met and kind of started dating. Um, but yeah, they said that that was a rough one. That, you know, those two, when they broke up, they just said, let's not speak of this, and they didn't. Yeah, she married Gene Wilder and Willie motherfucking Wonka. When she died, he pretty much checked out. Yeah, he was... Yeah, he he was, was madly in love with her. Yeah, that was it was a, a better love story than Twilight. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Because uh, Twilight sucks. Well, there's that. But, no, they were they were a, a love story. Vampires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were a love story of... Uh, you know, they were like a, a the storybook ages. love story. Yeah, yeah, it was like a fairy right, you tale. You see, like, um, what is it, uh, the Princess Bride? Yes, type love story. Yeah, and now they're back together because sadly Gene has passed away. Right, but yeah, I don't think he was. I don't think he was on SNL. He, he, he was a, a guest. He might have been a guest, but he was never on SNL. He was more uh, Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, he was more doing the uh, movies with Richard Pryor, which. They, those two, those, those two, were, two were great. I mean, that's a whole series of shows there because yeah. some of their some of their movies are some of the best, funniest out there. movies out there. I can watch those all the time too. Gilda Radner had two really big standout uh, characters that she did. The uh, Roseanne, Rosanna, Rosanna Dan. Yeah, and with her hair. Yes, <laughs> that hair was awesome, and. I mean, that was that was a that's like her signature character. Yeah, fucking hilarious. She also was um, Baba Wawa. Oh yeah, that's right. And Barbara Walters. Yeah, it was it was making fun of the way Barbara Walters talked. Yep. And Barbara Walters said that Gilda Radner was making fun of newscasters before it was cool. Oh yeah. And then she said, "Well, it's still not cool. It's just everybody's doing it now." And you know what else, dude? That I mean, not just her. But just Saturday Night Live in general, even off the first season, dude, there were so many political jokes mm-hmm. that, I mean, dude, was this is when Gerald Ford was president. And, dude, they were making fun of him. Like, Gerald Ford tripped over himself today. Well, because and, he tripped and fell out of uh, Air Force One. Yeah. And so Chevy Chase could do that. Oh, dude. And he so did he did it. it. He said, <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> Gerald Ford fell and his poked himself in the eye with his thumb and Secret Service jumped around, jumped over and got it, got that thumb taken away real quick. <laughs> and the nice thing, you know, just just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll swerve back to the cast, but the nice thing about what they do, they, they don't ever pick a side. 
No, they they, they, they make, make fun, fun of everybody. Who whoever's the president is in their crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever is in the news is a target. It doesn't matter if if you know what political party they belong to or anything. They're making fun of Everything, pop culture. They're yeah. making fun of the current state. And man, and in today's current state, dude, I mean, the shit writes itself. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, and for the last probably 10, 10 20 years, years, twenty years, it's written itself. But they don't pick a side. No, you know, which which I I admire and I appreciate. That's kind of how. It's kind of how my political views lie. I don't pick a side. I don't pick a side. I don't. I don't give that much of a shit. No, I got you too know. much shit going on in my life to worry about what the fuck's happening. Right in Washington, you know. And my, you know, th- but that's it. Kind of mirrors, you know. That's why I guess why I identify with it. It kind of mirrors my own thing. I find I can find something not necessarily right about what's going on, but I can always find something to talk about. To talk about, and make fun of, or or to make light of, you know. Um, and I. I always vote to reserve my right to do that, you know, no matter who I vote for. Yeah. I always reserve my right to bitch. That's the only reason I vote. So, back to this cast. <laughs> we have Garrett Morris. She, no, real quick. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. She also did an impression of Lucille Ball, which I, I, I haven't see seen. I need to see that. I yeah. would love to see that. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I guarantee you Lucille Ball, because she was still alive then. She might have liked it. Yeah, and because Lucille Ball, which... I would love to do just a topic on her. I thought I, I thought you were gonna stop right there and say just love to do her. <laughs> Go on. Oh, I'm thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's passed. Um. <laughs> maybe when she maybe maybe when when the, the show was black and white. Yeah. You know. But yeah, she did that. I haven't. I seen love it yet. Lucy. I loved her twice. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she did Lucille Ball. She did Patty Smith. Um, Olga Corbett in a, a bunch of Saturday Night Live sketches. She also won an Emmy Award in 78. Well, that's cool. And I think she got her star in 2003. Oh, so she think? has a star. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but, but that was way after she had passed, so at least she got a star. And right. Gene, Gene Wilder was still alive to be there to... They had, he accepted it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Garrett Morris... Now, Garrett Morris, uh, he had a couple things that really stuck out to me with his skits. He is so funny, dude. He's hilarious. Um, if you... Because he's still, he's still acting. Yeah. If you've ever watched Two Broke Girls, mm-hmm. he's on that. And it's the same character that he was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, nice. He's still wearing the old 70s clothes. Nice. And he's just an old pervert now. That's funny. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, dude. But yeah, he's he's a he's hilarious. He he played uh, uh, Chico Escula, I think is the name. It's a, the baseball expert. Yes, and he was he was from the Dominican Republic and had a very thick accent. And about the he would just like talk all this shit that you couldn't understand. And then he'd just look at the camera and go, "Baseball would be very very good to me." <laughs> <laughs> he also he also had a uh, a skit on um, Weekend Update. That's one of my favorite skits for the hearing impaired. Yes. Yes. Whatever whatever Chevy Chase said, he would say it but louder. He would just scream and be like, now we have, we have our, our news for the hearing impaired and they were just yelling at each other. Or he was yelling the, the news. And he was in a little bubble yeah. above him. Yeah, he, he, I, that is one of my favorite There's skits. a bunch of shit going on! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he... And they, they did that several times and they did it 
in several ways, and that's actually even been parodied. Yeah. On Family Guy. It, yes, it has. And it's been, it's been him. Oh, dude, I guarantee you, Seth MacFarlane's yeah. got a lot of his inspiration from those guys. Oh, I'm sure. But they actually had uh, Garrett Morris pop up in a bubble. Yes, they and, did. And, do and it was him. Yeah, it, it was, was actually him. It, it was wasn't him. a cartoon. No. It was actually him. Yeah. So he also did a, a lot of impersonations. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Bob Marley, Chubby Checker, Diana Ross. Oh, that's a... James Brown, Leon Spinks, which I remember the Leon Spinks. It's hilarious. Uh, he did Martin Luther King Jr., Muhammad Ali, Richard Pryor, Sammy Davis Jr., and Tina Turner. Wow. So he, he was well-versed in the uh, the impersonation game. Um, I remember a few of those, and I'm sure, you know, I go back and watch some of these old shows every now and again. Yep. So I'm sure I'll pick up. Dude, something. and the music back then, dude, they had... Oh, yeah. The, dude, the first episode, you know, because, I'm, like I said, I'm only, I'm only up to episode six in the first season. The first episode, I can't remember the band, dude, but it was so funky. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, it was just straight up. I mean, like you would hear George Clinton play. Yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah, I've I've got a list of, of some of the musical guests that they appeared. even had break dancers. Yeah, they oh, had yeah. these break. Dude, I watched them last night, and these guys. I was like telling my wife, I was like, "Come here and watch this. This is amazing." Yeah, and these guys were just. I mean, they were playing to the music, and then the music stopped. Like Saturday Night Live said, "Okay, you guys are done," and they go, "We don't need no music." And they kept going. <laughs> we don't need no music. Let the motherfucker like, burn. Oh, dude, it was amazing. So then... I got off topic again. Yeah, it happens with us. Lorraine Newman, like we already said, she she was Connie Conehead. Yep. Uh, she also played the Valley Girl Sherry. Now, the thing about Lorraine Newman is... Lorraine Newman, I think, is who I was thinking about earlier when I was talking about Jane Curtin. Okay. L- Lorraine Newman, she was she did not like the party lifestyle... She did not like all the drugs. She would stay in her in her dressing room until it was time for her to be out there. Then she would go out and then she'd come back and she'd play solitaire. She'd sit there and play solitaire. She, so she was just a loner. She was a loner and she was very unhappy with her time on Saturday Night Live. She just didn't dig the, the atmosphere. And she spent so much time by herself playing solitaire that one year for Christmas... Gilda Radner bought her a deck of cards for Solitaire, and when she started playing them, every card had Lorraine Newman's face on it. Oh, no shit. So she's playing Solitaire with herself with a, car, a deck of cards of her. And it, she just, I guess, didn't really dig it, wasn't into the, the whole scene, so... She was also on Weekend Update. Yeah, she, she did. She played, um, I mean, it was just her normal name, but... Yeah. <laughs> they had this hotel that was a, like supposed to be a sponsor for the show, and every time Weekend Update would come on and she, Chevy Chase would go, all right, we're going to go to Lorraine Newman for to talk about this tragic murder that's happened at this hotel. Like, yeah, hi, Chevy. This is, you know, the third or fifth ho- murder this week at this hotel. <laughs> and, like, you know, they, like, she'd like, be standing there, like, by the door and the body would be laying there. <laughs> and then it would go, like, to the skit, to the next commercial, and it would be that hotel was a sponsor. It's like all the guests and... Uh, oh, yeah, anybody who comes to the show is staying at this hotel. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, I guess the last two, they're the ones that, they were not original members. Uh, Bill Murray, he replaced Chevy he Chase. He replaced Chevy Chase. I, I mean, Bill Murray 
he was just like a, a bit player on the show. I don't remember him having a character. I don't think yeah. he did a lot of character work. He did just comedic, you know, yeah. stuff. Um, and then Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, holy shit. I can remember being a little kid and seeing Eddie Murphy do his thing. And then I can remember my dad saying, don't ever repeat any of that. Oh, dude. <laughs> because Eddie Murphy pushed the envelope. And Murray wasn't... How long was he on this show? Like a year or two. I don't think he was on very long. Because I'm trying to... He, it, it doesn't really mention him being on there a lot at all. I couldn't find a lot of information about him being on there. It was just like, yeah, he was on there. Yeah. Yeah, it, he, there's nothing about him out there. I mean, I don't know if he was unhappy with the time that he spent there or what, but... His brother was on there. Bill Murray? Yeah, Brian Brian Murray was on there. Oh, I'll be damned. I mean, the, the, the whole entire Murray family has probably been on Saturday Night Live one point or another. Right. But uh, Eddie Murphy, he did uh, Gumby. No, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Bill. Did I say Murphy? Yeah, you said, you said Murray. No, I was talking about Eddie Murphy. You started talking about Eddie Murphy. Oh, shit. See, look, I got distracted again. Yeah. Um, no, Eddie Murphy did, uh, did Buckwheat. He did Gumby. He had Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, which was a parody on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. Which was hilarious. Uh, James Brown's Hot Tub Party. Yep, I remember that. Uh, he And then he just had all these characters, all these skits that were just amazingly funny and amazing. I mean, they, they pushed the envelope so hard. And the thing is, the time that Eddie Murphy was on the show... He was on for about five years or so. Yeah. It was a time that Lorne Michaels, the, the originator of Saturday Night Live, was not involved with the show. Oh, no shit. So they say that Eddie Murphy is the only reason that we still have Saturday Night Live is because those five years would have tanked had it not been for him yeah. and him just keeping it out there and keeping it in the spotlight and well, he's, pushing the envelope. He is a well-versed actor anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, fuck Everything he does is, he goes over the top. Right. I mean, even his early stuff, but uh, we're talking about Eddie Murphy, right? Eddie Murphy. Okay. <laughs> so I was, the, I was, the nutty professor. Yes. I mean, he's got, you know. He, he's he, a clump. He is a clump. You know, he did Norbit and. Not in Norbit. Dude, Norbit is one, yeah, that's that's up there, dude. Yeah. I mean, he played, he, he plays multiple characters in a movie. Like, even, like, coming to America, dude. Yeah, he's a bunch of different characters. Yeah, I think he was most of the characters. Yeah, him and Arsenio Hall yeah. were the entire movie. Yeah. And, I don't know. Fuck not... you, fuck you, fuck you. Who's next? Yes. <laughs> That'd be $8. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much, like, the original, the original cast. And, and, I mean, we kind of weaved in and out of a lot of stuff, especially Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy. I've been watching you guys but, all night. <laughs> and I want to tear you apart. <laughs> and your friend, too. So, <laughs> so with that, we're going to go ahead and take a little break here and listen to some words from our sponsors or other sponsors or friends of the show or whatever happens to tickle our fancy. So, we'll be back right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah! French 
juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one-of-a-kind fruit taste. Hawaiian Punch Fruit Punch with 10% real fruit juice for a real fruit juicy taste. Hawaiian Punch is made with seven kinds of fruit for a one of a kind fruit taste. Hey dude, what's up? You know, I always thought that like Ram Man should have been a lot bigger because he was like ramming through walls and he was just a little short dude. I, I wish it would have made an action figure of that. You know, you'd make that. Huh? Slime Pit Customs. Huh? Well, like, I love Captain Spaulding. I wish that, like, he was a superhero. Dude, huh, Slime Pit Customs. You know what? I kind of wish that they would have made, like, a, a green radioactive slime He-Man that was all covered in goo. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs? What's that? Slime Pit Customs, they make custom action figures. Anything you want out of anything you want. So, like, Slime Pit Customs could just make the action figure of my dreams come true? Yeah. Could they make me into an action figure? Yes, absolutely. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs. Check them out on Facebook. or confused, get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. Hey, young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool, you may even think it is bogus, but I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing. Something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you. Something called grass. Not that grass. I'm talking about marijuana. You may have heard of it. You may have seen someone smoking it, like those burnout bohemians or that crazy-eyed custodian at your school. You may have taken a toke or two. But do you know the whole story? Do you know the blunt truth? Grass, ganja, joint, doobie, doo, chronic, ace, lobo, loco, love boat, bud, buddha, blunt, pot, pat, pin, chiba, chiba, 420, and hashish, or hash for short. No matter what you call it, no matter what hip street lift it's referred or referred to by, it all comes from the same stash. It's all marijuana. I know what you're thinking. What is marijuana? What makes marijuana so dangerous? Where can I get some marijuana? Well, brother, I'm not going to nickel and dime you. I'm not like the man all you kids are rebelling against. I'm hip. I know what young people are dealing with these days. 
In fact, here are some of my free-thinking friends to prove how completely not square I really am. Parrots are hypocrites. They tell us one thing, but then they do another. Why don't they practice what they preach? Adults never have time to listen to us. And when they do, they just don't think what we're saying. Why can't we dress the way we want in school? So what about grass? Let's start with the basics. Marijuana is a plant that grows best with plenty of water and sunlight. Its leaves extend outwards in a star pattern some say resembles a hand. An open palm reaching out to claim its next victim. Rolled in zigzags, or puffed from 7th period woodshop projects, the smoke from this plant causes a brief state of euphoria, immediately followed by permanent insanity. Users are prone to unpredictable behavior, including junk food binges, joyride, and a sudden urge to wear sunglasses at night. Plus, they look flat out crazy. You there, stop laughing. Laughing is a symptom caused by blowing pot. Take a good look at yourself. Are you addicted? Are your eyes half shut and bloodshot? Do you recognize that person in the mirror? Then blame it all on marijuana. Long-term use of marijuana can lead to a psychological dependency. Soon, you'll be taking all sorts of measures to get your fix. People will start calling you names like Pothead or Smokey McBongwater. Losing all motivation, it's likely that you will drop out of school, take a sudden liking to sitar music, and maybe even get felt up by a cop or two. So why smoke grass? I took it on a dare. And if I dared you to jump off a cliff, would you do that too? Man, everybody blows pot. Uh-uh. I know this one guy that doesn't. Wait, not that guy. This guy. Oh, no, thank you. Not for me. But our pie, it enhances my creativity. No, it doesn't. Look at these paintings. The artist was stoned when he painted these. Those don't look like real flowers. Is marijuana really where it's at? Is it really as righteous as you think? There is more to life than grass. There are fulfilling careers and groovy beach parties. The closer you look, the more seeds you find in your stash. Follow your hopes and dreams. Be someone. Do yourself and your country a favor. Don't let this happen to you. Hey, stranger, want a delicious new unsweetened drink mix? Unsweetened? Sure. Hey, I know this taste. There's nothing else like it. Can I have another <laughs> Hawaiian punch? Sure. New unsweetened Hawaiian punch with that one-of-a-kind Hawaiian punch taste in seven flavors. Just add your own sugar. You got a Hawaiian punch for a passing stranger? Sure. New unsweetened Hawaiian punch. Just add your own sugar. And we are back. Did you enjoy those commercials? Fuck yeah. <laughs> he never knows what I'm going to play for the commercials. <laughs> yeah, so I always ask him, he's like, fuck yeah. One of these times I'm going to put, I'm going to put something just <laughs> fucked up on there. And he'd be like, I fucking loved it. <laughs> that was a great commercial. About... I love that commercial for fucking Preparation H. <laughs> you did a good job. You know, you know, Preparation H comes in handy. You're not using it, right? Not today. <laughs> that's a personal... You know what? That's a personal question. Yeah. Stay out of my buttness. Your buttness? My buttness. Oh, my, my business. I'm sorry. 
So speaking of business, um, there were a few members that everybody assumes were cast, but they were not involved in the business of SNL. They were uh, what you would call regular guests, I guess. Uh, so much so that they were assumed to be part of the cast. And I think the most notable one is Steve Martin. So Steve Martin was, I mean, a lot of the, the best of SNL stuff Yes, is Steve Martin, and he was he was the, he was one of the most frequent guests. Well, he yeah, he was a regular host. I think he hosted like fifteen times uh, over the years. He was on there all the damn time. I mean, he has like like thirty or forty appearances. Yeah, in the the early days, uh, and he actually had characters that he did. Uh, King Tut. He was one of the wild and crazy guys. I love King Tut. The King Tut was great. It, the song. Yeah. I'm the, dude, I can listen to it all the time. Oh, yeah. He, he would be on there playing his banjo, too. He's a, he's a very he's accomplished a, he's banjo a band. player. Yeah, he's, yeah. In a, he's in an actual like bluesgrass band. Yeah. And he is just phenomenal at playing that thing. He's what? Phenomenal. do 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 Phenomenal. Do-do-do-do-do. Phenomenal. Do, 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 do. <laughs> he also uh, portrayed Pope John Paul II. Oh, shit. Um, but S- Steve Martin, first of all, and not knocking the guy, because I love his uh, his movies. The Jerk is one of my favorite movies. Yes. Uh, I think, he hates these kids! Well, the Jerk, the, the jerk <laughs> led to a, one of the most uncomfortable moments I've ever had in my life. Uh, I was... Uh, Sitting there watching TV, my grandma was in her recliner. This is not that long ago. My grandma lives with my parents. So I was over at my parents' house, and I just I was flipping through the TV. Grandma's sitting there doing her knitting. And uh, at the time, she was probably like, you know, 80, 80, 79, 80 years old. And she's doing her knitting, and I'm flipping through the, the channels. And the jerk's on, and I'm like, I love this movie. So I'm watching the jerk, and I'm laughing my ass off. And she's just sitting there. She might look up at the TV every once in a while. And she kept knitting, kept knitting. Until the, the line in the movie where he says, my friend said, I'm going to be able to send some extra money next week because my friend said she's going to get me a blowjob. And my grandma put her knitting down and fucking started laughing. So did the brother. And, <laughs> and I, But my grandma did. She set her knitting down and she laughed. That's the only <laughs> line in the whole fucking movie she laughed at. Yeah, and that's I when he was could, dating the biker chick. Yeah, I couldn't enjoy the rest of the movie because my grandma laughed at a blowjob joke. And I was like, holy shit. She, oh, my God. So, yeah. But I love, you know, Steve Martin's great. I think the man was born with gray hair. Yeah, I think, well, I actually think he his hair started going gray when he was a teenager. Well, it was, it's always, yeah. It's always been white. It's always gray. been white. It's had white hair. Um, one of my other favorite movies with him is uh, My Blue Heaven. Good one. Yeah. That with him and Steve, uh, uh, Rick Moranis. Yep, dude, that that movie's a classic. That that's a great one. Uh, Man with two brains is a is that's a, a good one. That's a funny ass movie. Or when he was in um, Little Shop of Horrors as the yeah, dentist. The dentist. Yeah, he, he gets he starts taking all that laughing gas. Yep, and he turns the picture on the dog. Yeah, he just loses it. <laughs> Steve, I mean Steve Martin is he's one of those guys that he, he's still funny today. He's funny. But he's one of those comedians that that he's funnier when he's not trying to be funny. Yes, you know he 
he just has a very dry sense of humor, and he's just great. Well, he wasn't ever part of the cast. A lot of people think that he was. Um, but he didn't, you know, he was he was just there. He's one of the three amigos. He is a three amigo. Fuck yeah, the three amigos rocks. Yes. Um, the other one, and I, I'm sure we're going to spend a ton of time talking about this guy. This might actually have to be a different episode. Is fucking one of my favorite comic minds ever. And I think he was way, way ahead of his time. Oh, yeah. Andy fucking Kaufman. Yes. The dude... Hey, what do you say about him? He was... Definitely out there. I I mean, personally, I think the guy had multiple personalities. It's possible. Just because, I mean, the way he would go from being Andy to being... The heck's his name? Latka. Latka, and then um, oh, uh, Tony, Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it was just like flipping a switch for him. Mm-hmm. And he could turn it on. He could turn it off. Yep. And when he was one character, you did not refer to him by anything. No, else. he was Tony, or he was Latka, yep. or then he was Andy. Yep. He, Latka came from his SNL skit, and he was just a, a regular. He was guest. He yeah. was never. He was never officially a cast member. He just would visit, and I, you know, he would just disrupt shit. Oh yeah. I, but I thought he was great. The Lodka character that he played on Taxi, that came from his foreign man yep. gimmick that he had on on the show, America. And yeah, he would do impersonations as this uh, this. You know, man with a that didn't speak English, so he would come in and he was a mechanic. Yeah, Lodka was a mechanic, yeah. but in the foreign man uh, skit, he would come in and you know, basically in his in his broken English, say, you know, I'm going to do a an impression of of you know the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, and then everybody would be ready for it, and he would say, "Hello, I am the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter," and nobody would laugh. And he thrived on people not laughing at him. Oh yeah, he got. I mean, that he, was that was his thing. Uh, he, he liked to make people uncomfortable. He would carry these skits out way too long, to the point where people would get pissed. Yeah. His the foreign man. He would do like five or six impersonations like that, where it was not an impersonation, and then he would say. In his foreign man accent, now I do an impression of the Elvis Presley, and then he would turn around, and he had like little Velcro straps on his suit, and he would, you know, pull these straps. He'd have the Elvis jumpsuit. Turn on. into an Elvis jumpsuit. He would mess his hair up, put on sunglasses, and do a nuts on Elvis, Elvis impression. impression. And everybody ate it up because they it, thought he was actually foreign. Yeah, everybody thought that he was he was this accent. Yeah, this accent. Uh, they thought it was real. And he would do nuts on Elvis. And everybody would just go crazy. And he would get done. And he would look at the crowd and say, Thank you very much. And, and they just lose it. And everybody would just die. He was the king of beating a dead horse. Oh, yeah. Until it was funny again. I, disclaimer, I don't think beating a dead horse is fun. Well, beating a dead horse is kind of funny. It depends on how the horse died. Um <laughs> 
Well, you know, yeah, yeah. As, long as, it, as long as it didn't die by beating. Uh, beating a horse that died of natural causes. Well, it depends on how well you knew the horse, I guess. Yeah. If it was somebody else's horse. Then it's fucking hilarious. As long as it's not Mr. Ed. <laughs> He'd be beating Mr. Ed. Oh, Wilbur. <laughs> you know, who? one of my, my kind of... I don't know, I don't believe she was on Saturday Night Live, but uh, one of Andy Kaufman's co-hosts on Taxi was Carol Kane. Yeah. And I've had a crush on Carol Kane. Oh, really? Since I was little, dude. She, she was so, just so pretty. She played his girlfriend. I thought she played his mom. No, she was, I think she was his girlfriend. But, um, yeah, dude, she, I like yeah. Carol Kane. Yeah, okay. And I would love to meet Carol Kane or... Just get an autograph, say hi to her. That's all you're gonna say is hi. Pretty much. That's all you did with Shawnee Smith. Dude. And I would do it in a Lodkit accent. Yeah. Hello. 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 Thank you very much. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're just gonna stand here. Lodka, <laughs> also or Lodka, Lod, he's Lodka. Andy Kaufman also, uh, he would come out and do things that were just nonsensical and moronic, like lip sync to portions of the Mighty Mouse yes. record. Uh, he would come out with his record player and play records for people and lip sync or, or sing little parts of them. And it just, he was just there, I think, just to kill time. Honestly. Oh, yeah, I think he was there to just, uh, to, so they could get the sets ready. Yeah. And, and if... If you've never, if you didn't know his comedy, which back then he was just getting his big start, because I don't think Taxi had started yet. No, no. Um, people would watch him, and they would either laugh or they would yell at him. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, you're wasting time. Why are you here? You're not funny. Right. But I've always thought the guy was hilarious. He had, I mean, he has moments where it was, he he was annoying. But, but it, he did it on purpose. Again, he's annoying, and he keeps it up to the point where he makes it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other people's reactions is what's what's funny. The one the one skit that I can remember that he did, he came out and he started reading like War and Peace. I think it was like a huge book, and he opened it up and he's like, you know, page one. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And he starts reading, and they start booing him. And he goes, "Fine, you don't want to listen to me read this book? I'm going to play a record." And he put the record on, and it was a record of him reading that fucking book. That's <laughs> great. And everybody lost it. And, I mean, he put it down, and it started right from where he ended and kept going. And everybody lost it. They thought it was, you know, it was funny. He also sang uh, uh, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall. Yep. Every line. And people were yelling, and he would pause, and then he'd start singing it again in the next line. And then they were yelling and booing, and then he got down to... And then pretty soon people were kind of getting into it. He got down to number eight, and he goes, You people don't appreciate me, and walked off. <laughs> Didn't finish the song. <laughs> Didn't even finish the song. I, You know, I don't know if, if you would call him like a prima donna, or if he, like you said, he would just do it to get the rise out of somebody. I think he might have been mentally ill. That's, yeah. Like I said, I think he had multiple personalities. Or yeah. at least split personalities, and when... One of the personalities came out, the other ones were sleeping somewhere. Yeah. Especially Tony Clifton. I loved, dude, Tony Clifton, and him and Bob Zamuda, his manager, Yes, would portray the two, uh, 
Like, once they kind of caught on, that's Andy Kaufman. Bob Samuda would dress up as Tony Clifton. And Andy and Kaufman would come out. Andy Kaufman would show up. Funny story about that. Now, this has nothing to do with Saturday Night Live. This has to do with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, I personally cannot stand most of his movies. Yeah. I like a handful of them. Man in the Moon, the Andy Kaufman story, Which is, yeah. is one of them that I like. So... Because he did the same shit Andy Kaufman did. He was in character the entire time. You had to t- refer to him as Andy, unless he was Tony. Tony. Well, while they were filming, uh, uh, Hugh Hefner invited Jim Carrey to come to the Playboy Mansion. Oh yeah, I've heard the story. So Jim Carrey said, "I'll, you know, I can't make it, but I will arrange for Tony Clifton to be there," and he. Hugh Hefner's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you know? And so, Jim Carrey's people, you know, kind of clued Hugh Hefner in. Hey, he's in, he's doing, you know, being this character actor in this movie. Uh, he's in personality all the time. He wants to be Tony Clifton when he shows up. And he's like, okay, fine. He can come dress as Tony Clifton. He goes, no, you have to refer to him as Tony. Everybody, ha- you know, he will get very angry if you don't. And he said, okay. So the limo shows up, picks him up, takes him over there. Tony Clifton gets out of the limo. He's being Tony Clifton. He's being very brash, very annoying, uh, annoying very grabby, and uh, just be- making a general nuisance of himself. But everybody is told to play along because this is Jim Carrey. Until Jim Carrey shows up. Yep. Jim Carrey showed up to the party, and he's like, hey guys, what's going on? And they're like... Wait a minute, and they grabbed Tony Clifton and threw him out, and he's doing that. Hey, I'm a celebrity. What are you doing? Get, <laughs> get off of me. Do you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? And they thought he was Jim Carrey the entire time. It was Bob Zamuda had reprised his yeah. his role as, as Tony Clifton for this, and threw he got thrown out of the Playboy Mansion, <laughs> and Jim Carrey I think got asked to leave because of the stunt. Oh fuck! So I mean that's you know. I can't personally stand Jim Carrey, but that, you know, or his, his work, I'm sure he's a fine gentleman, but uh, I don't like his work. I like, I like his, I like Ace Ventura, and I like Once Bitten. I've never heard of Once Bitten. Really? Yeah. Dude, it's a great, it's like the first movie he ever did. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. You gotta watch it, man. It's like classic. I don't know. Jim I, Carrey. I like the Truman theme. Show. I do like Truman. I've been to that town. In the bubble? Yeah. Not in there. There's no bubble. Well, yes, there is. They ran a boat into it. <laughs> There's a fucking bubble. The, the boat hit it. The boat and, did hit it. And there were stairs. They went to a door that left the bubble. I saw Truman walk out of it. That's true. You did. So you've been to the bubble? I've been to the bubble. Fucking hey, that's cool. I bought a bottle of hot sauce at the store. The bubble store? The bubble store. That's so cool. They had pictures of Andy, you know, of Jim Carrey and I said Andy. Um, they had pictures of Jim Carrey and everything, you know, just kind of said this is the this is the store where they filmed this and I'll be damned. It's a cool little town and the town looks just like it did in the movie. Well, because it's a bubble. <laughs> yeah, that's a bubble boy. That's a good movie too. That is a good movie. So <laughs> Andy Kaufman <laughs> There was, there was a couple other things that he did, and then I, there's, there's one thing that we're going to go on and on about. Um, Andy Kaufman also did a skit that he tried to sell to uh, Dick Ebersole, who was the, uh, the NBC... Director or whatever. Yeah, executive director of the whole station. The CEO or whatever. Yeah. Um, he, what he wanted to do is he wanted to have a skit 
and then the picture skipped just you know how the old TVs used to roll mm-hmm. and you have to tune and you them. had to tune it. Well, the, the the picture would just for those of you that are only used to flat screens, the picture would start rolling, and you know just over and over, and you would have to have a little knob that you would have to dial that in to where it would actually stay on your screen. Well, he wanted it to roll just a little bit to where you could see the top part of the screen at the bottom and their heads were cut off. So their heads would be at the bottom of the screen. And they did this scene in Man of the Moon. They did this scene. And they said, it won't be funny. And he goes, it'll be hilarious because people think their TV is broken. And they said, no, people might switch a station. He goes, that'll make it even funnier. And they're like, no, it won't. And then they, they did it, but they didn't do what he wanted. So he got pissed. He started throwing shit around. They went to like a blank screen and then they calmed him in commercial. They calmed him down. They came back and then they explained that Andy was just being a character. Andy was just having fun with the crowd and all this. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm pissed. You know, and he went into character and was pissed, started throwing stuff around again. So it was about time for him to exit the show. Uh, Before he was asked to leave, he wanted to do one more skit. His skit was, he was wrestling women from the audience. Most of them were planted. Most of it was staged. But that is where he got his start as the intergender wrestling champion. And he started a whole big No, he was the women's, cha- women's wrestling women's champion. Women's wrestling champion, yeah. yeah. I have the t-shirt. You do. He started a whole wrestling career from that. And then him and Jerry uh, Lawler... Let it last for a while. They went on for a few years. Um, I think we should do a whole show on that because Andy Kaufman was one of the he was one of the best villains. Oh yeah, he everybody or best heel. Yeah, he everybody wanted him to get his ass kicked. They wanted him dead. Yeah, they they did they, in Memphis. They wanted him dead. Uh, he was not uh, well liked at all. He made fun. He, he basically made fun of everybody, and and, and he loved every he bit of it. Loved it. He, I mean, he was. He was a great wrestling personality. Did they do Johnny Carson or... Uh, David Letterman. They did David Letterman. Yeah, David Letterman. And they were supposed to get on there and apologize to each other and make up. And they ended up fighting. And they ended up fighting. And, and Jerry Lawler slapped Andy Kaufman. And Andy Kaufman threw coffee on Jerry Lawler. <laughs> and, and it was all staged. Well, they didn't know that it was, it was staged. Yeah. Nobody knew. Except for those two. Except for those two. And uh, Letterman had no clue what was going on. They He thought they were going to shake hands and make nice. So that's where he got his start with, with his wrestling career. It was on SNL. First actor to actually be in wrestling. Yes. He was the first celebrity to wrestle. Yeah. We need to do a show on him. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he's, he's an interesting character. Um, the way that he left the show. Dick Ebersol in 83... He started two nine hundred one, you know, like a one nine hundred number. Yeah, he started two of them, and he pulled the audience. You called one number to keep Andy. You called one number to get rid of Andy. So the cast members actually wanted him to stay, and probably because they, they probably loved him. Yeah, but Ebersol said, "No, the fans, you know, the, the audience is going to decide this." So when they would come out, they would tell them go out and give this plug for these numbers. Well, Eddie Murphy would go out and he would threaten the audience if they called to Ken Kaufman. Oh, shit. He would, he would threaten them. 
Um, and Mary Gross was another cast member at the time. She would go out and she would say the, the keep number just fine. But when she said the get rid of Andy number... They would mumble it. She would mumble it. She would say it really fast so nobody could catch it. She would now, I don't mix think they up had, They numbers. probably didn't have it on the screen either. No, I don't think they did. Uh, she would mix up the numbers when she was saying them and go, oh, no, that's not right. And she would say it two or three different ways. And she'd go, I think that's right. Because they wanted to keep him. And it was live, so they couldn't edit it. They could not edit that out. And you know, it was probably those 900 numbers. It was probably like $6 a minute. Yeah, and people paid it yeah. to get rid of Andy Kaufman. And they got rid of him because of it. The, everybody, the audience voted to dump him. So that's kind of bullshit. Because people don't know what, what's funny and what's not. They well, still don't. No, and Andy Kaufman was hilarious. I don't care what you say. I thought he was funny, and that's all that matters. Yeah. He was hilarious. There were a couple regular skits that didn't really involve cast members. They were outside. They brought him in, and... Uh, they, they became just as famous as, if not more famous than the show. Now, you told me about one that I did not know about, uh, was, which is the Muppets. Yes, the Muppets. Yeah. They had the Jim Henson's Muppets. It was, uh, I can't remember what the hell it was called, but basically it took place, you know, like during the dinosaur age. So, I mean, you know, they're Muppets. Yeah. And there was this, like, king, and he had his little, his little scab, I think that's what he called him. Um, like, you know, assistant. Yeah. Like, hey, we're, you know, we got this problem. You know, we gotta, you know, we gotta fix this. You know, I don't know what to do. You know, we're just, we're gonna, we're gonna lose the land. He's in his little scab, like, well, let's go talk to the, to the, the hell you want to call it? It's like a, a, a totem. Okay. Yeah. Like the idol. An idol. Yeah. Um, so they'd go talk to the idol. Like, hey, idol. We're hurting for this, and we need to take care of some stuff. He's like, all right, that's going to cost you two chickens. So they throw the chickens in the idol. He's like, okay, what's your problem? Well, we're running low on chickens. (laughs) You know, they're not getting low. All right, well, here, have one chicken back. (laughs) Problem solved. Problem solved. And, <laughs> and that was the end of the skit. But it was freaking hilarious. Yeah. It, it, it didn't it didn't actually look like it belonged in there. But at the time, when it first getting going, or when it first started going, it was perfect placement. Right. It was just one of those things where, okay, we're going to do this, or we're going to do this with Andy Kaufman, so we can tear down this set and get this set ready. Right. And I, you know... I think that they still, to a point, do that kind of stuff with, uh, like, the fake commercials and, and things like that. I think that's why they do them. I remember uh, one of my favorite commercials was uh, Deep Thoughts by Jack Hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just something over the top that made no sense. Yeah. But it made a lot of sense. Yeah. I was like, do you ever wish you had a plate of cookies? But you didn't have enough money. That sucks. <laughs> and that was deep thought. Yeah, and that's and that's basically what they were. And it was, yeah. you know. But it's one of my just like one of my favorite you know set commercials for the show. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's always stuck out, and I've looked them up online, and you can, dude, it has every single deep thought. Nice. On there. 
they had another skit. It was um, uh, what was his name? Uh, they had Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill. They had Mr. Bill. Yeah. Those were great. Oh, Mr. Bill. And a lot of people don't remember Mr. Bill. No. Now, Mr. What Mr. Bill? Mr. Bill was like very shitty claymation. He was a clay figure. Oh. Yeah. Oh no. I. Uh, he was getting. A, he was always getting in trouble. Yeah, he always. He had. He had a. Uh, I guess like an antagonist. His name was Sluggo. He was kind of a green blob. Yeah. And Mr. Bill was. Uh, he was made out of red, white, and blue clay, I believe, with yellow hair. Yeah. And he also had a dog, uh, named uh, Spot. It was basically like a cheap, it was, twisted rendition of Gumby. Exactly. Exactly what it was. Uh, he didn't really, he wasn't really animated, so whenever he had to move, Mr. Hand would come in and help him. This guy's hand would just reach in and do it. And he stuck him in a blender once. Oh yeah, he did. It was like, Sluggo wants you to go in here, and he would throw him in a blender, or a steamroller would run him over, (laughs) or a rock would drop on him, or when it started out, the dog was getting, was getting the the shit happening to him, and Mr. Bill would go, oh no, you know, my dog... And then something would happen to Mr. Bill that was ten times worse than what yeah. happened to the dog. Uh, you know, like the dog would fall over, and he'd say, my dog just fell over, and then Mr. Bill would get hit like by a wrecking ball or something. And then they would show him smashed against the and wall. And he'd have that and... facial expression where his eyes were like, I, I can't remember if his eyes were X'd out, his mouth was wide open. Yep, yep. But it was just a circle. It was just, you know, the red clay circle for uh-huh. mouth. And They brought him back for uh, some commercials recently. Uh, not recently, with them like and they the still killed years. him, and they still killed him. Um, he, Mr. Bill was, it was, it was basically cartoon violence. Yes, it was fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, they'd cut his head off with a pair of, 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 of scissors, scissors, or squeeze him with pliers, or I, I think they did the land shark to him, the candy gram. Yes, where they knock, they knock on the door and they say candy gram, and it's like candy gram, knock on the door. Candygram. Well, Candygram used to be like they would deliver candy to someone with a, with a message. Land shark is one of and my And then they'd knock, too. knock, knock, and then all of a sudden they'd open the door and they'd say, land shark, and they'd run in to be a shark that would come in and bite them. Uh, I think they did land shark with him with pliers. Okay. You know, they, they said land shark and a pair of pliers came in and got him. But yeah, Mr. Bill was, was pretty awesome. Are you doing okay there? I think my seat's about to fall. Yeah, his, his, <laughs> his little chair's about to break. <laughs> So it's crumbling. <laughs> so with with all you know this comedy and kind of off the wall sketches and off the wall short things. What the hell is that? Telegram. What? A telegram. I'm not expecting a telegram. What? Pizza. I didn't order pizza. Oh, for Christ's sake! Just open the door. Land shark. <laughs> um, with with all this, you know, kind of new entertainment and this live raw comedy, they also had music, and they featured some of the most amazing musical guests oh, of yeah. the time. Uh, it turned into basically who was popular, at the popular, time. and who had just dropped an album. And I think it had more to do with the the, the record, you know, the music charts at at a point. But when they first started out, they were just grabbing who they who would come on. Mm-hmm. I wrote down some names from the first, just like the first two seasons, maybe three seasons, that I was going down a list of musical guests. In the first two to three seasons, here are the names of some of the folks that played. Art Garfunkel, 
Martha Reeves, uh, ABBA. Paul Simon was actually a host. Paul Simon hosted and and was a, a musical guest. Uh, Gil Scott Heron, uh, Ann Murray, Bill Withers, who sang uh, Lean on Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desi Arnaz, he, he was probably on when they did the Lucille Ball thing. Uh, Patty Smith, Carly Simon, Gordon Lightfoot. If he played the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, he they, he took a half hour for the time there. Uh, John Prine, George Harrison, Frank Zappa, Chuck Berry, The Kink, Santana, Willie Nelson, Ray Charles, Elvis Costello, Billy Joel, The Stones, Jimmy Buffett, Eddie Money, Grateful Dead, Doobie Brothers, Devo, Blondie, Chicago. I wonder if Devo whipped it. They whipped it good. Uh, David Bowie, Tom Petty, and motherfucking Meatloaf. All within the first three seasons. You know who's not allowed back at SNL? Oh, I know a couple people. Rage Against the Machine. Yep. And Andrew Dice Clay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Sinead O'Connor. But we'll talk about that when yes. we talk about the 80s shit. Because uh, that, that d- the Dice Man and Sinead O'Connor go hand in hand. I think with... it was the same show, wasn't it? No. Because Sinead O'Connor refused to be on there with Andrew Dice Clay. They picked up uh, a couple of relatively unknown bands. One remains relatively unknown. They were already called the Spano Boys. Yep, never heard of them. And the other band... Wait, was that... Jesse Spano? Jesse Spano from Jesse uh, and the Rippers. Full House. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they turned into Jesse and the Rippers. Yeah, they did. Uh, no, it was the Spano Boys. <laughs> and uh, the other one was the Cowboy Junkies. I've heard of the Cowboy Junkies. They they were the fill-ins for the Andrew Dice Clay show when Sinead O'Connor refused to appear, uh, as well as Nora Dunn refused to perform. Really? But uh, we'll get into that when we talk about either Andrew Dice Clay, which we will be doing, or the next segment of SNL. Uh, so You were going to talk about the dark side of SNL. Well, there was... What I found about the kind of the dark side, they, they claim that there was a curse yeah. over the cast because a lot of cast members uh, have died prematurely. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of rampant drug use... A lot of really horrible uh, relationship things. There's also a ghost there somewhere in the studio. Really? Yeah, I've heard that too. There's a ghost in most studios, I I feel. There's probably a ghost in our studio. Well, I know there is. It's breaking your chair right now. That's my my ass. (laughs) Your ass is a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) That's a Smashing Pumpkins song. It is. (laughs) My ass is a ghost. (laughs) Doom. Um, I don't think that's right. Huh? I don't think that's right. It sounds right. It's. It, I mean, it, I think it sounds good. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we'll go with it. Sure. <laughs> I think it's the world is a vampire. <laughs> My ass is a ghost. Yeah, 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 that works. My ass is a ghost. Weird Al, that's a song for you right there. Yeah, yeah, Weird Al's going to play my ass as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, who is it, uh... <laughs> I don't mean to boast, but my ass is a ghost. Psycho Stick. Psycho Stick could do that song. Psycho Stick, listen. My ass, my ass, is, ass a ghost. is a ghost. Parody of Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> my ass is a ghost. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I think we've officially lost it. <laughs> uh, so early early days of SNL. I uh, what are your thoughts on? It? I you know what my thoughts are. I think it's one of the best shows back then. Oh, absolutely. You know, it wouldn't. I wouldn't probably not have my sense of humor 
if it wasn't for these early actors on these shows. Right. You know, you know, like I said, you know, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy, those guys have made a huge impact on my life and what I think is funny. Right. I I, I think SNL was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I think that it paved the way not only for you know, like what what we see now as comedy, but TV in general, I think it paved the way for a lot of the improv shows that are on, like uh, Whose Line Is It? Oh, yeah. Uh, Which, well, I think we stole that from Britain. Yeah, well, we steal everything from Britain. The Office. Um, But it paved the way for that. But I think what it gave us, and we should maybe talk, just, just, we've talked about it some here and there during this show, but it paved the way for movies that were made Sometimes years later, that were based on, oh yeah, you know, like those the, characters, like, like the Coneheads, the Blues Brothers, the Coneheads, yeah, uh, you know, Wayne's World, well, yeah, and and that you know that, that was years later, later on, but it they would take the characters and kind of throw them into a movie setting. Blues Brothers is a great, you know, one of the best musicals. Oh, it's yeah, it's amazing. I, I don't, I'm not a big musical movie guy. It doesn't seem like a musical though. No. Uh, but it's 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 generated it's it's classified as a musical movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's you know everything revolves around music. Um, the Coneheads. They made a movie about the Coneheads like in the nineties, which was amazing. It was hilarious. But that's based on a seventies skit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, I think a lot of characters that maybe at their start on SNL were developed into a, a bigger character, either in a stand-up setting or in, you know, a... You can see different characters in characters that are that are played by those actors. Like, they bring take out Take example, uh, Caddyshack. Yeah. Caddyshack 1 and 2. Because it had both... I mean, it had Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. and Bill Murray in it. Yeah. And all, and both of them. I mean, Bill Murray was the groundskeeper. Right. Or he was not the head groundskeeper, but because he was working on that. Right. And those were, that's what he said. He was working on becoming the head groundskeeper. Uh, Chevy Chase was the rich playboy. The golf pro. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of just did whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And his parents looked just like him. Right. Um, and then Dan Aykroyd was just a hired gun, but he was a bumbling idiot mm-hmm. to kill the gopher. Right. But, I mean, those... I mean. I think Caddyshack 1 is far better than Caddyshack 2. Absolutely. I mean, I like Jackie Mason, but he, that movie just wasn't the same. No. I like Rodney Dangerfield where he comes in. Hey, Hey, we're all going to get laid. I'll take two of those. One of those. Give me some of those naked lady tees. Hey, nice hat. I bet you get a free bowl of soup if you buy a hat like that. Looks good on you, though. (laughs) (laughs) I still use that. If If somebody comes in. If somebody comes in wearing some stupid ass looking hat, I'll just I'll tell them I'll say, I bet you get a free bowl of soup if you buy a hat like that. <laughs> and a lot of times they get pissed. Yes. And I'm like, you guys have never seen Caddyshack. Yeah, that's kind of a compliment, you know. I like your hat, but oh my god, dude, I love that movie. But it spawns so so much. Just the pairing of these <laughs> Rodney you know. Dangerfield duties. Well, you look at Ghostbusters had almost all uh, SNL alum. Mm-hmm. Caddyshack had. A bunch of SNL alum. 
uh, Animal House, Blues Brothers. It spawned that ensemble of characters and that ensemble of actors and, that could work together. And you got, like, say, 45 years later, people still reference, say, like, Blues Brothers or Animal House or Caddyshack. And, and they've become memes now. Well, and people still reference the original SNL. Yeah. The, the first, even like the first 10 years, they still reference things from that. And they have no clue what, what it it's is. From. What it's from. I mean, people yeah. our age, yeah, we know it's from. Well, like it was still got, on TV when we, yeah, you know. But you got, you know, like the younger, the younger generation, the guys in their early 30s or their 20s. Mm-hmm. They've seen it. They don't know what it is. Yeah, they have no clue what, what it is. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't see it in context. So, I think it's amazing that 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 is still part of our pop culture lexicon now. Yes, and it was only supposed to be a, a five minute skit. Yeah, you know, and some of them were just a one time five minute skit, and you never seen it and again. you never saw it again, and people still talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that says something about the impact and the innovation that it that it had. So, and they've got some. Damn good writers. At least they did. I don't know about now because I haven't watched anything probably the last 10 years. I think I tried. It's, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a shell of itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I I mean, I think even people, actors have said that. It's not the same. They will never be able to replicate that rawness because now live TV is not live TV. No. They, now live TV, they have... They can edit live TV. They've got a, a they've got a delay that they can edit. Yeah, there's a five minute know. delay or whatever. Yeah, it's usually like seven seconds, but I think that they they extend it. I mean, I think they have a delay on on a lot of live TV so that they can hit that button. They can edit you know shit and whatever they want to do, like they do in the radio. Yeah. So when somebody says fuck, I'm like, oh man, you can't say that. Oh, I've been edited on the radio so many times. I can, but um, so. Just that, you know, there's it's not the same. They're not even playing the same sport anymore. It was it was live, it was raw, you never knew what was going to happen. Uh, and the people that they had in place, they were unpredictable, kind of uncontrollable, drug crazed some of them. Olds. Yeah. Eighteen to twenty whatever, you know, and they just went out and did once that the green light came on the camera, they went and did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And they made it work. And they made it work. So, it's just like us. When the green light goes on the microphone, we make it work. Half the time, we don't know what we're doing, but we make it work. Yeah, fake it till you make it. So, any final thoughts on, on what we're talking about today? No. <laughs> There you have it, folks. <laughs> no, I mean, we, it's pretty much all speaks for itself. So. I think we covered it all. We, we co- I think we covered it all and then, and then some. So, I guess uh, with that, for the uh, Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour, I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. You have yourself a great tonight and even better tomorrow. Say goodbye, Corey. Goodbye, Corey. Every fucking time. Thank you for tuning in to the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. If you want to talk to the show, drop us an email. RetroPowerHour at gmail.com We'll see you next week.